Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. We are very thankful for all of our moms that are here today. And uh, I, I, I wish my mom was here, but she's with the Lord. And she, I'm sure she would rather be with the Lord. But I'm so glad to see you all here today. And I'm excited to continue our study in the book of Acts. Today we're at Acts 2.38. And look at the passage, Acts 2.38. Then Peter, well, look at verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And folks, when you hear the preaching of the word of God, that is the question you should ask. What should I do? Based on what I've heard, what should I do? The instruction of the apostle is clear. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Let's pray. Dear Lord, please help us as we enter into this text and study this through the book of Acts. Lord, help us understand how significant and important this is. In Jesus' name, amen. So the Bible says, repent. What does it mean to repent? Repentance is a change of mind and a change of direction. What do they need to repent of in this passage? They did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. They had killed him. So they needed to repent of the national sin of killing the Messiah. Look at verse 40. And many, and with many other words did he testify and exhort So exhort is to challenge, to get people to respond, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Save yourselves from Israel. Save yourself from what the Jews did to Jesus Christ. Now we know God is not done with Israel. God is not done with the Jews. We are not anti-Semitic or against the Jewish people. But these, this group that Peter was preaching to had crucified Jesus Christ. They needed to repent of that. They also needed to believe that Jesus had risen from the dead. So look at what it says in verse 30. Therefore, being a prophet, speaking of Christ, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, look at what it says, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we all are witnesses. So those apostles that were preaching and speaking in other languages on the day of Pentecost, they were witnesses of the resurrected Christ. So what did the people need to repent of? They needed to repent of the national sin of killing Jesus. And they needed to repent of not believing that God could raise him from the dead. And that is the message. And what we'll see, what we're going to do this morning, is we're going to look at all of the passages in the book of Acts where repentance is preached. And we're going to learn some different details about what it means to repent. But we're going to see also a consistency of the message throughout the book of Acts. So go with me to Acts chapter 3. So in Acts chapter 3 and verse 1, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain lame man from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. 
who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked alms. He wants money. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they start asking, what is going on? And so Peter tells them, if you look at verse 12, and when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness, we had made this man to walk? Do you see how this is a different type of healing than what goes on today? As if I would have the power to heal. I wish I did. I wish I had the power to heal Laura's knee so she doesn't have to have surgery. I wish I had the power to to take care of, of your back or to deal with whatever it is that you all are dealing with. I don't have that power. I don't have that authority. And neither did the apostles. The power was the power of Jesus Christ and the name of Jesus Christ. When we get to Acts chapter 3 in the next millennium, we'll, we'll actually break this down and, and talk about that. But what Peter says to them, it's not through by our own power, the end of verse 3, or holiness, we have made this man to walk. God of Abraham and of Isaac, Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he is determined, was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you and killed the prince of life whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. Now, you're going to want a Bible. If you don't have a Bible with you, look under the, under the, the chair in front of you. There's a Bible there for you. But this is an amazing message, and notice the consistency. Acts chapter 2, you killed Jesus, repent. He rose from the dead, repent. Acts chapter 3, you killed Jesus, repent. But then, let's drop down to verse 19. Repent ye, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Why do they need to do that? And he shall send Jesus which before was preached unto you, this is the apostle saying, I told you so, before he was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. So repent and be converted. So what is the message? God hath glorified his son Jesus. You delivered him up. All his prophets told you beforehand, he's coming back and he's going to restore all things. Now, what does it mean to restore all things? There will be ultimate justice when Jesus Christ returns. The world will be destroyed during the tribulation. It's all going to be restored. The fall brought the the destruction of the world, the fall of Adam, and it's going to be restored. It's amazing what God is going to do. That's the message. So what do they need to repent of? They need to repent that... 
of not believing that God had glorified Jesus. They needed to repent for delivering him up. They needed to repent for not listening to the prophets. They needed to repent for not listening to the preaching of the apostles. They need to repent of the fact that they don't believe he's coming back. That's the message. You know, as I look out here today, we have been inundated with information all of our lives. How many of you have heard of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Have you heard of that? But he did it for you. When Jesus Christ went to the cross, the Bible says he tasted death for every man. Is there anyone here who's not a part of the human race? Up here on the front, there are questions. We're not sure. The jury's still out. But all of us are of the human race. So just as Peter said to them, you crucified Jesus, he could say to me, I crucified Jesus. Why? He died for me. He paid my price. He paid my penalty. Have you repented of your sin and trusted Christ as your Savior? Is this boring to you, the message of Christ, the message of the death, burial, and resurrection? Is it something that's not of interest? You have your life planned. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. Remember the parable of the man who's going to build his house, build his barns. And Jesus said, thou fool, this night your soul will be required of you. This night. Where are we in this area of repentance? Look at the next one. Go with me to Acts 5 and verse 30. Acts 5. Verse 29. So remember, the apostles have been in the temple preaching. They're arrested by the Pharisees and Sadducees, and they're put in jail. They're told not to preach anymore. But the angel of the Lord comes and opens up the jail, gets them out of the jail. And what does the angel of the Lord tell them to do? Look with me at um, verse 19, Acts 5 and verse 19. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So what do they do? Verse 29. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. So they said the Pharisees had come and said, Don't preach Jesus. We ought to obey God rather than men. COVID, they say, Don't have church. We ought to obey God rather than men. Amen. Let's keep going. To the God of our fathers. I'm sorry. The God of our fathers, verse 30, raised up Jesus whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Can you all see a little bit of repetition in the preaching? What's the message? The resurrection of Christ. You killed him, but God raised him. Repent. Well, where does it say that? Verse 31. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Repentance and forgiveness. Repentance comes first, and then forgiveness. What did they need to repent of? That God had raised up Jesus, whom you slew, and hanged on a tree. That's the message. He's a prince and a savior. But I like this part. This is a new twist. Notice what it says in verse 31. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. 
Do you know the only reason any of us can repent is because God gives us that gift of repentance? Have you ever been talking to somebody and you just can't get through to them? They're just stubborn. They will not listen. You ever been in a conversation like that? I see a bunch of you grinning like that just happened. You can see it on your faces. It's hilarious. There, when uh, our, our counselor, Dr. Angwin, was still alive, um, he's home with the Lord now. Um, he helped me with, some, with difficult counseling situations. And I had two where the, the people were diagnosed with something called borderline personality disorder. Borderline personality disorder. And that's a really dangerous uh, uh, condition. Uh, counselors are told not to deal with those people. They're too volatile, too dangerous. And um, so I said, Laura, you've got to change. No, that's, that's not That's terrible, isn't it? Um, and here, here's what that looks like, all right? They can never admit that they're wrong. They're psychologically incapable of admitting wrong. They're, they're psychologically incapable of accepting responsibility. That kind of defines Israel. You stiff-necked people. The, the hardness of your hearts, that's, they, they will not listen. Well, God is going to ultimately make them listen. But those of you who can respond, the Bible says blindness in part has happened unto Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. That's Romans chapter 11. So what does that mean, blindness in part? The Jews can still respond. If you're here today and you're from a Jewish background, you need to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. You need to repent. Don't be hard-hearted. If you're here, if you're a young person today, everybody listening? Everybody listening? If you're a young person today and you're here, what is the direction of your life? You may have said a prayer when you're a, teen, when you're a child, but is there any evidence in your life at all of repentance and faith? Is there any evidence at some point you have to choose? Your parents can drag you to church and make you come, or you want to come because Ty does such a good job with the activities and they're enjoyable, and then he teaches you the truth of the Word of God. But at some point, it's up to us to receive that gift of repentance to say, yes, I've decided to follow Jesus. I receive that free gift. I repent. Look at what it says in chapter 8. So in chapter 8, they're dealing with a man named Simon the Sorcerer. Where's Simon at? Simon the Sorcerer. And Simon saw the power that God had given the apostles. And he kind of makes a, 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 an ascent. He, he, he acts like he wants to be a follower of theirs. And so look at what it says in verse 13. Then Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now, when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John. Now, drop down to 
verse 18. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money. And don't worry, we'll get to all of that when we get to chapter 8. Saying, look, he offers the apostles money, verse 19, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Some of you think that your, your loved ones can be, can be purchased out of purgatory. That you can give money and they can somehow make it into heaven. Wow. Some of you think that if you give money to a church, that preacher can heal you. Bring, bring me, hey, you got to sow a seed of faith. If you sow a seed of faith, then God will heal your body. Simon the sorcerer. Look at what it says. Verse 20. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. You can't buy a gift. Look at verse 21. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. So what's the answer? Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness. So notice this message, it's not a national repentance. It's not a national message. It's an individual message. You repent of your wickedness, your individual, your specific wickedness. And how did that manifest itself? Don't miss it. He believed. He was baptized. But apparently, as Romans, or 1 Corinthians 15 says, he had believed in vain. His belief, his faith wasn't a genuine faith. His trust wasn't a genuine trust. He wanted the power that the apostles had. Why? He was a sorcerer. But these men had the power of God. And so, notice what happens. Listen to what they say. Verse 23. For I perceive that thou art in, look it, it's a specific thing. The gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Then answered Simon and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me, that none of these things which ye have spoken come upon me. There's no record of Simon repenting. He didn't repent. Listen, you are going to be condemned. That's the message of the apostles. Repent of this wickedness. Don't let these things... You pray for me. So if Patrick is in sin, and I say, Patrick, you need to repent, and Patrick says, well, pray for me. You know, I've got this problem. Pray for me. Is that repentance? So let's look more specifically at what Simon was dealing with. He thought he could buy the power of the Spirit, and he was in the gall of bitterness, but he was still in the bond of iniquity. What does all of that mean? So what is iniquity? It's injustice unrighteousness, a deviation from rectitude as the iniquity of war, the iniquity of the slave trade. Hold your place here in Acts chapter 8. Put your marker there, Acts chapter 8. Look with me at Proverbs chapter 5.
Proverbs chapter 5, look at verse 21. For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he pondereth all his goings. So here's what I want you to know. Everything you're doing, God sees. See, he's not limited. You know, there were five of us kids in our house, and mom could be watching a couple of us, and the others are off doing trouble, (laughs) causing trouble, right? Mom couldn't watch all of us at the same time. God can watch all of us at the same time. And not only that, he ponders. He ponders what we're doing. Look at the next verse. Verse 22. His own, talking about this man whose ways, his own iniquities, that's his injustice, his wrong behavior, shall take the wicked himself. His own iniquities shall take the wicked himself. And he shall be holden with the cords of his sins. You're bound by sin. Not by someone else's sin. Oh, my dad did this. My mom did this. You are not bound by their sin. You're bound by your own sin. Verse 23. He shall die without instruction. And in the greatness of his folly, he shall go astray. So now, please never miss this. I guarantee you Peter had this in mind when he was preaching to Simon. He knew what it's talking Why? Look at verse chapter 5. Verse 3. For the lips of a strange woman drop as an honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil, but her end is bitter as wormwood. Her end is bitter as wormwood. Gall and wormwood go together. He's in this gall of bitterness. He's a sorcerer. Immorality, iniquity, and sorcery, they go together. They go together. That's what he is bound up in. Listen to what Isaiah 59.3 says. Your iniquities have separated between you and your God. So I'm just telling you, Simon has been separated from God by his iniquity, and he needs to repent, and there's no evidence that he did. So you might be here today, and you're hearing this message of repentance, and you're saying, I'm okay. Well, you're only okay if you've placed your faith and trust in Christ alone. If you've acknowledged Jesus Christ as your Savior, confessing your sin, and begging God for his mercy and forgiveness for your sin. If you have not done that, you need to repent today, repent today, because we're not promised another. Look with me at Acts chapter 11. You put a marker at chapter 8. Look at Acts chapter 11. This is our next. So Peter, in Acts chapter 10, God has told him to go to a certain place and that these Gentiles are going to, be, are going to come, Cornelius and, and his group of Italian men, and they're going to come and you preach the gospel to them. And so he does it. And he eats with them. And so that causes some trouble among the other apostles. He's explaining himself. And look at what it says in verse 18, Acts chapter 11 and verse 18. When they heard these things, they held their peace 
and glorified God, saying, Then God hath also to the Gentiles granted, look at what it says, repentance unto life. What had the angel of the Lord told Peter and John to do in the temple? Go and speak to them of the things pertaining to this life. Here, God has granted the Gentiles repentance unto life. Two things. Again, it's a gift. Now, repentance can be hard. You might say, I enjoy my life. I enjoy my sin. Well, the Bible talks about the pleasure of sin for a season. The Bible says, there's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. So, repentance can be hard. I understand that. That's why it's good to get saved young before you've established these patterns. But if you are no longer young, you can still repent. Repent. God today, God has you here today. The Holy Spirit is knocking on your heart's door. Like in Revelation chapter 3, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, Jesus said. Have you repented? Have you received that gift? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a gift. Receive it. Not only that, there in verse 18, Repentance is a gift, but I love this. They're celebrating that the, that the Gentiles are also granted repentance unto life. Remember the earlier message, you men of Israel, you men of Israel. Do you know what this means? It's for me too. I can be given life. I can be given repentance. I can have a Savior. Praise God. It's for us too. What a wonderful gift that is. Look with me at Revelation chapter 13. Revelation 13. Paul's preaching in Antioch and Pisidia and, and, and Gentiles are believing. And look what it says in verse 24. When John had first preached before his coming the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John fulfilled his course... He said, whom think ye that I am? This is Acts chapter 13. Now we're in verse 25. Did I give the wrong passage? Acts chapter 13. Oh, pray for me. Yes. My kids say, if I ever do get Alzheimer's, how will we know? All right, so verse 20, so we're in Acts 13 and verse 24. When John had first preached before his coming, before the coming of Christ, the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel, and as John fulfilled his course, he said, Whom think ye that I am? I am not he, but behold, there cometh one after me, whose shoes of his feet I am not worthy to loose. So what's he preaching? He's talking about the repentance that John's baptism of repentance, that was calling the nation of Israel before Jesus Christ had come to repentance for what? They'd stopped looking for the Messiah. So they had to repent of that and then demonstrate that repentance by baptism. Go with me to Acts 
chapter 17. Not Revelation. Acts chapter 17. Look at what it says in verse 22. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. So Mars Hill was where they had all of their idols. So he went up there to preach. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions or your idols, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. Whom therefore ye ignorantly worship him, declare I unto you, God that made the world. I love it that it always begins with the Creator. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything. I hate it when people say, well, God needs. God needs you. God, God doesn't need anything. All right? Seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. How many of you are breathing and have life? You didn't make that. You didn't do that. You can't keep it. That's a gift from God. That's who we're talking about. All right? Look at what it says in verse 26. And hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth. One blood. One blood. One race isn't better than another. We are all of one blood. Amen? We are all of one blood. So, and hath made of one blood, verse 26, all nations of men for to dwell on, the, on all the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. God determined where you would be born and when you would be born. Why? Verse 27, that they should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him and find him though he be not far from every one of us. He determined where and when you would be born so you could find him. Verse 28, For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Verse 29, For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone, graven by art and man's device. Y'all notice we don't have idols in here? We worship God. All right? Now, they were worshiping these idols. Verse 30. And the times of this ignorance God winked at. What's that talking about? Your, listen, your ignorance. He's not talking about a, a historical ignorance. You are here worshiping these idols. God has winked at it. He hasn't killed you for it. He's overlooked it for now. He's allowed you to get to the point where you are here before me hearing the gospel. God has allowed you to be in this place today before this humble preacher of the word of God to hear the truth. He has allowed you to live this long. So look at what it says. Verse 30. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day 
in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. So now, now, look at the message. Still repentance. It's not the national sin of killing Jesus. It's not the individual wickedness of sorcery. It is idolatry. You've been worshiping something other than the one true God. You need to repent. And what does that repentance entail? It's believing in the one true God and Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who he raised from the dead, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. What are you trusting in for your eternal life today? What is your idolatry or ignorance that God has has winked at? What is God calling you to repent of today? You see, the response to the preaching of the word of God, men, brethren, what shall we do? Repent. My friend Dalton Robertson was in Chicago at a breakfast place. We love going to Chicago. We both used to work in downtown Chicago, and he had gone there on a trip, and he had gone to breakfast by himself that morning, and he was sitting kind of on a banquette, you know, a long wall with a pad, and the tables were in between, and there was a man sitting next to him, and this man was was obviously a homosexual, and this man asked Dalton what he was reading, and they started having a conversation, really good conversation. And so this man asked Dalton, what do you do for a living? He said, I'm a Baptist preacher. And this guy was shocked, and he said, why are you, why are you even talking to me then? As if we wouldn't want to talk to someone. Isn't that interesting? Shame on us for that being the thought. But they had a good conversation, and this man shared his life story. His father didn't want to have anything to do with him. His mother was a really domineering, controlling, awful person. He's Jewish, and he was raised in a horrible home. And so he fell into the sin of homosexuality. And he said, so after sharing his whole story, He said, so what am I supposed to do? Fascinating question. You know what Dalton said? Repent. I don't know that I would have had the wisdom to say that. Repent. Jesus loves you. Died on the cross for you. He'll save you. Just just repent. That's the message all through the book of Acts. Go with me to chapter 19. Verse 4. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him, that should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they had received John's message, but they didn't understand the message of the death, burial, and resurrection. They didn't understand the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. They had to repent of that. They had believed some, but not all the way. So here you are today. You're at church. You've come to church. That's better than some, right? You're here to hear the preaching of the word of God. You believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You have identified all of your life as a Christian because you believe in Jesus Christ. But you have also believed 
that you have to do good works in order to be able to go to heaven. You have also believed, possibly, that you had to be baptized in order to be saved, that your baptism was a part of your salvation. So what do you need to do? Repent. Repent. Lord, uh, I believed up to this point, but I didn't believe in you all the way. Uh, I believed in you, but I also believed in this. The message of Christ is exclusive. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Neither is there salvation in any other name given among men, whereby you must be saved. That's what Peter preached in Acts chapter 4. There's only one way that you can get saved through the name of Jesus, not the name of Jesus in your baptism, not the name of Jesus in your church membership, not the name of Jesus in your good works, not the name of Jesus in your good name or your family name. You have to repent. These were disciples of John. Look at what it says in Acts chapter 1, or Acts chapter 19 and verse 1. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. Who were they? They were disciples of John, verse 3. And he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. They had been following what they knew, but it wasn't enough. You've been following what you know, but it's not enough. What should you do? Repent. Repent. Look at the next one. Acts 20. Acts 20. Paul's preaching to the elders, the pastors, the leaders at Ephesus. Verse 21. Uh, Look at verse 20. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. What did he teach them? Testifying both to the Jews and to the Greeks. Now, I love this. Men of Israel, Gentiles. Men of Israel, Gentiles. Here he brings it together. Do you see that? Testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, so now, how do we... We're building our understanding of what it means to repent. I used to believe this about God. I need to repent of that and believe what the Bible says about God. He's the creator. He created everything that is. He's my creator. And as my creator, he has the authority to tell me what to do And what has he told me to do? Repent. But also faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. What do we believe? We believe that God the Father is the creator. God the Son is our Savior. God the Holy Spirit is the one who draws us to them both. And that's enough. That's enough. Repentance toward God and faith toward Jesus Christ. Change what you believe and trust Jesus Christ. He's enough. Look at uh, chapter 20, 26, 20. 26, 20. Can I encourage you all? This is the last one. So this is Paul defending himself before Agrippa. 
and giving his testimony. And it says, verse 19, chapter 26 and verse 19, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. Remember, Jesus Christ had on the road to Damascus. He said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Verse 20, but showed first unto them of Damascus, of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout the coast of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, again, tying them both together, that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. All right, so now look at this component. Repent. What is repentance? Turning to God from whatever else it was that you were believing. What are the works meet for repentance? So, Webster's 1828, meet here is an adjective describing something. Fit, suitable, proper, qualified, convenient, adapted. Now, so how does that work? Repent, turn to God, do works meet for repentance. So, we know what it means to repent. It means to turn to God. What does the do works meet for repentance? That means you then begin living a life that demonstrates to others that you have repented. So when we first got married, we were in uh, a couple of years after we were married, I was an assistant pastor in Stillwater, Oklahoma. The house we lived in had a white sink. Some of you have heard this before. And I'd have my pot of coffee, and I don't like cold coffee, so I'd drink maybe half a cup, then dump that in the sink and get a hot cup of coffee. The sink was white. Eventually, you would think I would know this, but again, some of us men are domestically oblivious. Okay? And so Laura, finally, in frustration, said, will you please rinse out the sink when you pour your coffee in the sink? I said, sure. And it's like, duh. (laughs) Sure. I'm sorry. All right? So I recognized that what I was doing was wrong. I repented and apologized to my lovely bride for doing that. But what if I just kept dumping the coffee in the sink? I'll tell you this, I know, my, I know me, my repentance was genuine. My repentance was genuine. But the follow-up sometimes isn't. See, it is possible to be saved. To be genuinely born again. But those patterns that you've established in your life, like a record. I'm glad records are back in style so I don't have to explain to the young people what a record is. But like a record. And, you know, you put the needle down on the record and this is playing on the record player and it follows those grooves all the way to the paper. Have you ever woken up to that when you are young? Yes. So what's it doing? It's following those grooves. Well, God wants to establish grooves that bring you to Him, that bring you to life, that bring you to joy, that bring you to peace. On top of your ultimate salvation, that's what He wants to do. But do you ever have a scratch in your record? 
what happens? It just skips and keeps going back to the same spot. It just it drives you crazy. It just jumps back to that same spot. That's what happens in your life. God has brought you so far. But you have established a pattern in your life that is, here's God's pattern. Yours is contrary to it. And you know what happens? You are stuck at that point until you get back on God's track for your life. Works meet acceptable that, that show what you believe, like not dumping the coffee in the white sink without rinsing. See, all of us understand what repentance is now. Have you repented? God brought you here. Listen, I don't think I'm anybody. Oh, yeah, God brought you to Jim Alter. No, 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 no. God brought you to a place to hear the message of repentance right now. Have you repented?